Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Arno Borsamo to the show. Arno is the founding partner of Island Impact, a social enterprise that aims to bring positive impact to small island states through initiatives in sustainable development. He is also the former director of the United Nations Development Program Center of Excellence for Small Island Developing States. He is an experienced knowledge strategist with a passion for turning knowledge into action, preferably knowledge related to island opportunities in energy, water, climate, tourism, waste, ocean, and biodiversity. Arno, how are you doing today? Good morning, Raj. Um, I'm doing very well. How, how are you doing? Arno, all well on my end. Thank you for asking. Arno, where in the world are you? I am uh, in Washington, D.C. right now. And how's the weather out there? Um, it's a good, that's a good question because I've been sitting in my basement uh, and I've been doing calls since uh, 8.30. But I think the weather, yeah, I think it's nice. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of strange, uh, uh, I guess it's summer now, but it's been raining and then very sunny and it's, it's been all over the place. And how are things for you during this pandemic? Um, I, um, I'm not complaining. Um, I, uh, a lot of my work uh, was already quite flexible and from home. So um, for me, the biggest change was having the kids at home, um, you know, uh, trying to get on, uh, on online learning and keeping their learnings up. That was the biggest difference. So uh, also managing them. But um, uh, definitely not complaining compared to what uh, what some of the other folks uh, are, are going through right now. I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and I'm figuring that uh, Washington's about to get a very become a very interesting place later this year. Uh, yes, <laughs> I hope in a good way. But uh, yes, no, it's uh, although it's 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 interesting when you live here. It, sometimes it's the last thing you see. It's it's I think that the Chinese have a vogue proverb for that the, the last thing a fish sees is the water in which he swims so sometimes you're so in the middle of it that you just don't even notice what you uh, what you see on the news i agree uh, and know what you're saying absolutely so arno i like to open my show by asking my guests the following question if you were asked to share something interesting about yourself what would it be um i think I think what probably would be good for for others to know is that I'm a, I'm really a third culture kid. Um, why do I think that's interesting? Is 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 because I think it explains um, a lot about how I you know the things I do, um, the way I look at the world. So I I am Dutch. My parents are Dutch, but I. Uh, most of my life, I lived abroad, and uh, but I went to American schools. So it was always a very interesting combination between having a Dutch family at home, 
uh, going to an American school with a lot of international kids, uh, but then living in a country like Dubai or Chile or Portugal. So um, I think, um, uh, and it has really obviously affected the way I look at things and the way I uh, connect with people. Um, yeah, but also, you know, very, very weird things in my in my in my past like I, I learned to play hockey to skate and hockey in dubai when i was a kid so you know that that is interesting i've never heard the term third culture is that a common term yeah uh, it is it is it's it's basically and they call it third culture kids although the, the it, it can also refer to adults but it's it's basically people who um, uh, mostly grew up in another country than uh, where their parents are from. I guess they're kind of creating their own culture because they're combining things that they get from their from their own family and from the country. And then in my case, I went to American school, so I got some of the you know the the American and the high school and middle school flavor from uh, from uh, from that. So you got your taste of globalism at a very young age. Uh, yes. Yeah. Due to no no fault of mine, I, I I mean I was lucky, but it does um, it does, and that's why I I mentioned this as an example of what is interesting because it it um, it has you know it has made me someone who is I'm I'm always very curious on the one hand, um, and um, and on the other hand I get along with you know just about every everyone i'm very comfortable in very different settings and i think that goes back to the, the way I, I grew up i agree with you so i grew up in london my parents are from east africa but we have an indian heritage and the word i've used over the years is the, abil the ability to almost be like a chameleon and adapt right. to the different environments so you're also a third culture kid I didn't know it till today, so I appreciate you. <laughs> no, there have been a lot of books. I think since this this came up in the I think in the sixties, no, a lot of books written about it. Uh, and uh, I mean it because it it it, it brings uh, opportunity, but it also brings challenges. Because in the end, I, and I'm not an expert on this, but um, in, in the end, I believe it means you yourself have no culture of your own. You know, you know a lot about a, a lot of cultures of uh, of, of others, but. Um, very often, um, they don't. Uh, it's hard for them to say, you know, what is home. So, not that this show is a therapy session, but you know, you hit the nail on the head. And I've recently told people that I often felt like a a person, a man without a home, for many, many years, even uh -huh. being in London and being in America. And the only or the thing that's made me really feel like where I belong is after getting married and having children. Because I have like a permanent place in someone's life from that perspective. Mm. Yeah, it's, sim it's similar to my my answer is 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 usually wherever my family is. Yep. So I live in DC now, but uh, for the last four years I was living on Aruba. I'm totally comfortable there. Totally different uh, environment. Um, you know, small island versus a big city like uh, DC. But uh, um, you know, so wherever the family is, is is for me is home. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that enlightenment regarding third culture. So switching gears a little bit, can you share a little bit about your current organization? Sure. So it, it's a pretty recent um, initiative. So it's called Island Impact, and it's a social enterprise um, working for uh, island, small island states, and trying to do projects that really have a, a positive impact on the ground. and. Um, 
yeah, it might be good to give you a little bit of background. So th- those years while I was on Aruba, I was working for the United Nations, and I set up and ran a um, a, a center of excellence for small island developing states, um, of which there are many around the world. You know, from Fiji to Jamaica to the Seychelles, and um, so while I was on Aruba, I was basically uh, looking for good examples. Um, from small island states, uh, things that they were doing that was really helping their their development and helping them prosper, trying to capture those examples and then and then resharing it with all the other islands. Uh, and and this is you know this could be a podcast in and of itself, but um, uh, small island states have very unique challenges compared to larger countries, and uh, so for them it's even more important to make sure that if if one of them has found a solution to something. Let's make sure we we capture that, we package it, and then we share it, so that all the other islands can, uh, you know, not reinvent the wheel, not use resources unnecessarily because it's already been uh, invented. Um, so I did that, and then this center was handed over to the university, and um, I then said, you know, this this work for islands for many reasons has really uh, caught my uh, my interest and my passion even. Uh, I want to keep doing that. So um, with others, I uh, I said, okay, let's let's create an entity that does these projects, uh, but, they, but but perhaps even more than for the larger you know organizations like the UN, make it very practical so that there's always uh, very concrete, tangible um, uh, deliverables uh, on the ground. Which um, not to say that the UN doesn't do that because uh, of course it does, but but uh, there are also a lot of conferences and reports uh, happen, uh, you know, being written that um, you know sometimes don't lead to real impact. So so that's what I'm doing now, and um, um, yeah, it's we're doing a very diverse range of projects we're involved in. Uh, there's one on uh, helping uh, fight plastic pollution. Um, there's another I'm involved with on how can you make islands interesting for digital nomads? And now with more and more people working remotely, um, how can you make islands uh, more interesting for remote work, right? So, I mean, just think, just look at you know, some of the big companies in the U.S. who have told their, uh, now with the crisis, who have told their employees, you know, you don't have to go back to work, just work from home until the end of 2020. Um, well, if that's the case, why not work from Aruba? You know, we 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 islands uh, could definitely use those 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 visitors. So uh, anyway, so that's something um, working on, and then there's um, yeah some other very interesting um, uh, projects happening, but very diverse as well. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So sounds really interesting. You mentioned the plastics project. Can you perhaps talk about some of the other projects you've worked on at the islands? Sure. So the the bottom line of, of a lot of the projects um, uh, that we worked on, uh, and this is this, uh, if I just go back to my time, my years at the UN, was it, it was always about um, you know looking at knowledge as actually the most renewable resource. Nice thing about knowledge uh, is that uh, the more you share, the more you have, uh, as opposed to a lot of the other. Uh, what you call production um, factors. Right? Usually, when you share something, you lose half of it. Uh, but uh, knowledge is actually exponential. So the idea was that um, we share knowledge uh, between islands, and we did that in in many different forms. We we organized webinars. We did an online 
a full online course on renewable energy for small island states. We we had a very uh, there's a very popular uh, newsletter, um, and um, and one thing we also did um, instead of creating big events where all the uh, island stakeholders, all the people from uh, uh, working on islands, had to come together, which is which is quite a, a challenge often because islands are. Um, you know, far uh, far between, and 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 logistics are quite uh, fragmented. Uh, we'd go to huge events where they were uh, events where they were already going, and and you know, create interesting side events, especially like at the UN or or uh, in Europe. So um, it was really across the board. Um, the bottom line was always sharing uh, uh, practical knowledge. But that you know you can do that through multiple ways. I mean, you're doing we're doing it now through a podcast. But you know, there's obviously tens of ways that you can share knowledge. So, so th- those are the things we we focus on. One project that that, um, that maybe stood out was something we did after um, after the hurricanes hit some of the islands in the Caribbean uh, in 2017, uh, Hurricane Irma. Um, and um, we went to St. Martin, which was really devastated by this hurricane. And we 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 actually looked around to see how can we and this is when I was at the, the center for small island states. We said that well, how can we as a small center actually help the island because um, there are a lot of people trying to do things. And what struck me is that uh, at a high level there were a lot of government, uh, uh, World Bank discussions about you know getting funding, doing big projects. But on kind of at the street level, uh, a lot of the people in Saint Martin they they had the energy and the ideas to do things, but they didn't know. Where to start? So what we did, we we called it the Build Back Better Week, and uh, we actually just invited anyone who had a good idea or wanted to contribute to rebuilding the island to come to this event. And we had a, a three four day uh, hackathon that came up with a lot of ideas that uh, uh, for not only rebuilding the island but also ideas that uh, uh, linked well with the, the the sustainable development goals. And also uh, helped in diversifying the economies. This is one of the issues in islands: is that very often, there, uh, you know, one sector, which is tourism, is 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 perhaps the only sector. Which means that, you know, um, it's no it's no surprise that Aruba, which has you know, which is about ninety percent dependent on tourism for GDP, now that there's no tourism, I mean, the whole economy is at a as it's at a standstill. Anyway, so that's one project example where we we went in and we we did a hackathon type uh, activity where we really tapped into that energy from uh, from all these individuals, from government, from private sector NGOs, to come up with these great ideas. And some of them, you know, went on and uh, became companies. And um, so, so yeah, that was uh, that's that's one example of of things we uh, we did for islands couple of things you said there that I really liked. One regarding knowledge being a renewable resource. I think that's a fantastic perspective. And the second thing regarding the Build Back Better Week, I almost feel like, you know, we as a country could implement something like that towards the tail end of perhaps, you know, this COVID pandemic and essentially local governments or local universities open the floor to almost everyone or anyone from the citizenry to contribute and say, you know, how can we build back better and stronger? So I really like both those concepts. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, but don't, Ustrom, don't underestimate the, the powers that be. Uh, very often, 
it may seem obvious to everyone that uh, this is the time for change and to do things better, right? And to do things that we may have wanted to do for a long time. I mean, just think of a lot of the uh, initiatives to fight, uh, you know, to offset climate change. But then um, it does take a mindset change as well. And uh, what I've often seen, not only on islands, but, you know, it, it, when, when um, it, it, sometimes it needs a crisis to get people thinking differently. But even then, um, the danger, as, as it is now, the danger of falling back to the way and doing things the way we used to do them is still there um, because people tend to navigate to what they know. So, um, and I think, yeah, a lot of people think after this crisis, you know, slowly but surely we'll go back to normal. But I, I think this is actually the opportunity to not go back to, at least not across the board, but not, uh, not go back to all of the things that we were doing. And especially I things agree. like, you know, being, being more sustainable, uh, some of the climate change initiatives. I mean, uh, any government is going to have to spend uh, a lot of money anyway. Let's, let's, let's uh, spend it smartly. Totally agree. And you mentioned the, you know, the UN SDGs earlier. With your network, you've got a deep network within the UN and the World Bank. How are some of the conversations, or what are some of the conversations happening right now regarding the SDGs during this time of uncertainty? Well, I think, if anything, um, what's, what's, what's nice and what's positive to see is that the SDG framework, so these are 17 sustainable development goals that were basically agreed to, to by just about every country in the world, um, um, is a great framework to actually tackle the crisis. Uh, if for nothing else, it's, 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 uh, it gets different countries speaking the same language. Right, because SDG seven on energy has specific indicators. Those are the same, um, uh, same across the uh, across the world. So, if anything, it's it's helping countries uh, speak the same language. And of course, to get out of this crisis, we're going to need to collaborate. Now, I mean, if you read the news, uh, that often does not happen. There's this kind of a there's now kind of a movement of countries trying to, you know, obviously. Um, help themselves but um if anything the SDGs also and and the whole UN system is a great platform to um to kind of facilitate collaboration on the one hand and also help those countries that uh are in uh, are are in so much trouble due to the crisis that they can actually step in and and help those uh, and obviously the uh, I'm talking about the developing countries so um so it's nice to see that it's a it's a framework that that it could really and is the solution to this crisis that it's a framework that facilitates uh, all of us speaking the same language and uh tackling these uh these these goals and um, um but also within the, with of course within these big institutions that you mentioned uh of course resources have have shifted right i mean there's now uh, more urgent needs. Uh, you know, there's a healthcare crisis. There's a there's a health crisis. There's a economic crisis. There, you know, uh, there's a social crisis. And uh, these these are the institutions that uh, can help those uh, countries that are most vulnerable. And that's uh, I guess that's a silver lining to uh, to this. Yes, and you mentioned economic crisis. So I'm just going to ask you, you know, an open ended 
question. If you had a magic wand or the ear, let's say, of the government of Aruba, for example, you have experience there. You know, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned this work from home opportunity, which I totally agree with. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. If you were able to perhaps give the government of Aruba one, two, three ideas about how to attract some of this talent, perhaps from a safety perspective, connectivity perspective, what, what are some of the things you would advise them to do? Well, see, on the one hand, uh, many reports have been written about uh, what, you know, nations uh, like like small island states should be doing. Um, it's always easier said than done, right? I'll, and I'll give you an example. Diversify your economy. Um, well, that's nice, and everyone will agree, especially if, you know, uh, 50 to, to 90% of your economy is tourism. Um, the other one is, for example... Um, uh, become much more sustainable, you know, protect the ocean, uh, protect your biodiversity, your nature on the island. Um, the trick uh, or, or the challenge then comes in, uh, like I mentioned before, is you, you will need to shake up the status quo. You will need to, uh, you know, if you, uh, for example, if you want to create um, uh, some kind of a waste to energy initiative, uh, waste is a big problem on, on many small island states. Um, and, and very often they just go on one big um, garbage dump. So what if you could create an initiative where that garbage becomes energy or you turn it into energy? Um, it, it, that all sounds very nice, but the problem is that um, you will have to change the way uh, people work. Yeah, you will have to change the, the, you know, the, the workforce, everyone working in the current way of doing waste management. And then you run into uh, huge obstacles because um, you know you and it's it's all relative in the sense that the group of people working in waste management on an island is 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 uh, a relatively large part of the uh, the labor force. So you know if you have them protesting the change, then you know anyway. This is all to say that um, the. Um, a lot of the advice is, is 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 very obvious, and people will all agree with it. But getting it done is the big challenge. But I do think, uh, back to your original question, I think countries should go back to their if, if they've kind of digressed, but they go back to their unique selling point. So what um, so what sets them apart from uh, from others? And if for the Netherlands that is trade, if for Aruba that is uh, beautiful beaches and safe and happy people uh, if for colombia that is coffee i mean i mean but go back to especially now in times of crisis go back to those unique selling points what makes you as a country unique and and uh build on that and um because very often you see that um it's kind of digressed and um on, on some of the small island states the um, yeah, tourism is successful, but the development keeps going and going to the point that the traffic, there's traffic jams, the beaches are packed, nature is suffering. And that's, you know, so tourism growth is nice for the short term. But if you look at the long term and you don't have those things, you don't have a clean beach, you don't have nature, people will stop coming. So, um, but my advice would be go back to your unique selling proposition. Um, secondly, look at global trends that you can tap into. I already mentioned the idea of the digital nomads or, or mm -hmm. now remote workers. I mean, uh, let's be honest, if you could work anywhere in the world 
for a few months. Why not um, uh, on a on a beautiful white beach on Aruba, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's got it's all you need is connectivity. You need coffee or tea, um, and um, it, it's just fabulous. And um, so um, so lo- and so that's a trend. More and more people are actually not working in offices. So that's a trend. In this case, you know, small islands could tap into because they are they are fabulous places to uh, to work. Um, and, and, you know, if, and if you create that model in a smart way, you're not taking jobs from people on the Island because you're actually doing remote work, right? Your employer is mm-hmm. actually somewhere else in, in the U S or Europe. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, so, and, and there's more trends like that where, um, where I think, um, islands could definitely tap into and, um, in, in 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 energy also in in tourism you know making tourism more sustainable um so yeah go back to your unique selling proposition and then also uh look at trends that are happening worldwide that you can uh, that you can leverage at this time i appreciate that and speaking of going back the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do so what What's driven you all these years to, you know, be part of all these social endeavors and even to, you know, launch your current organization? Good question. Um, so and again, part, op- yeah. open to being a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, part of it is, is and this is both a, a strength and a weakness, is that I'm just a, a extremely curious, but which also means I'm... I should be a lot more focused. So if you look at, uh, if you kind of look at my career, I've, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've worked for multinational firms. So I've, I've, um, I've worked for very marketing driven firms like Heineken and L'Oreal. I've, um, I set up and, and, and sold my own, uh, firm, um, years ago. Um, and, uh, I've worked for like the, the, the large institutions like, like, like World Bank, UN, and now back to um, doing my own thing. So I, um, I'm, I'm just very interested in, in, in kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of knowing it all. I'm very conscious that I, uh, the more I know, the, the more I know that I don't know that much. But um, uh, so I'm, I'm just very curious. But it also means that, um, uh, that it's kind of all over the place. Also, the, 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 the kind of the themes. I mean, don't worry. There is there is kind of a common thread, but the, the themes I've delved into, you know, they ranged from design thinking to knowledge management to doing business in China, um, and um, but all of those in the end, now that I, I I do work for small island states, all of those do um, uh, somehow apply. Uh, and 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 um, so back to your question, why? I, I guess on the one hand, I'm just very curious. And, um, but also now specifically what I, what I find interesting about islands is the combination between, they are, they are beautiful places. So, you know, if you, if you can spend your time and energy on places in the world, then on the one hand, they're very beautiful, but they're also the most vulnerable, right? There, there are countries, there are islands that will probably be gone, uh, uh, in our lifetime. And, uh, so Yes, they are beautiful, but they're also extremely vulnerable. While at the same time, they have uh, very resilient populations. So I was thinking, you know, if you, if you can combine the best of all worlds and you can work on sustainable development, which you know it, it might sound corny, but it is trying to make the world a little a, a better place, and you can do it for the most vulnerable uh, countries, uh, 
And at the same time, it is these are great places to work with with uh, with great people. Then you know, then uh, to me, it's 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 a fabulous combination, um, and um, and even more so if um, if some of these things happening on islands can inspire uh, the rest of the world, right? Because having to innovate in in like a constricted uh, space, right? Because we're talking about small. Uh, small geographies, smaller populations, uh, less resources. So if you know if you manage to innovate in that context with with certain limitations, then um, then these innovations uh, will probably work in uh, in a lot of other uh, a lot of larger countries. So so it's also hopefully a kind of a bridge between um, islands as sources of innovation uh, towards the rest of the world. And then especially in sustainable development. So it doesn't sound corny at all. And it's interesting because I'm just curious from a broader perspective. I feel like, you know, you mentioned, actually, I'm reading from your bio right here, energy, water, climate, waste, biodiversity. With your background, you could be focused on trade or finance. But the part about wanting to, you know, leave the world a better place or make the world better, I, th I think that that is a common thread that I see a lot of individuals. And perhaps, you know, I'm very fortunate because every day or every other day, I get to speak to someone like you who's an, an optimist and sees the potential for doing so. Going back to that word, you know, or going to the phrase, a better world, why did you drive your talents in that direction, not the other directions I mentioned? Um, well, I think, I mean, have you ever interviewed someone who said he wasn't working for a better world or, or working for a worse world? So I think it's in a way it's, it's, it's relative. And I, I, you know, so I think, I think many people will argue that they're doing that. Um, but, um, so I don't, I, I, that's why I, I said it was corny and I, I know it's not corny, but it, it's, I mean, I can, I can already, I can name tens of things that that I should I myself should already be doing better, and um, you know that or, or that could be inconsistent in 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 terms of making a better world. So I'm very aware of um, of sometimes the the hypocrisy of uh, of people saying you know they're working for a better world, but then I don't know they're driving a huge SUV or um, I have a little electric car by the way. But um, <laughs> so so that's why I say it's corny because I mean um, I I don't I don't even want to compare myself to someone who now I don't know is doing developmental work in uh, in in sub-Saharan Africa in this time of of, uh, of of COVID crisis. I mean I, I just can't imagine. I, you know I'm, I'm I'm doing this call from Washington D.C. The nice the, the weather is nice. It's safe. I can you know I can walk to a Whole Foods and buy whatever I need. So anyway, but so I, I know I'm digressing, but I, I do want to make sure that um, uh, yes, that, that that it comes across that yes, on the one hand, I do want to make the world a better place, but I'm also very, very conscious that I'm still very far off um, uh, from my goal of actually doing that. So we're all doing our part, and I appreciate you for doing so. So what are some of the aha or surprise moments that you've had, you know, working with the UN, the World Bank, or even on, in Aruba? So, one of the well aha moments I I I've had when and this is especially if you work for large bureaucracies was that the the shortest um, the shortest distance between two points isn't always a straight line. 
which um, when I had my own firm, often kind of was you you know you 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 want to get something done, you go for it and you do it. And uh, the aha moment was that uh, sometimes, especially working in, in larger bureaucracies, is that there there you know it's it's kind of a zigzag way of getting things done. And um, that's definitely something I had to learn that sometimes you can, where going fast might be good in the private sector. Um, sometimes in, in, in these larger um, organizations that, you know, need maybe internal lobbying or, you know, they have the bureaucratic processes, fast isn't always the, um, the best way to go. So that's something I definitely had to learn, especially as I went from my own company to, to larger um, to, to larger uh, institutions. Um, yeah, I think that's an aha moment. And, um, and another one, um, I guess another one was that um, at a certain point, I figured out that the, the less I talked, the, the, <laughs> the better the other person would feel. If you know, if you have conversations, which is an interesting fact, actually, now that I'm talking so much in a podcast, but uh, someone once gave me the advice, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. So um, I, I, I realized that uh, when I was interacting with people, the less I talked and the more I let the other person talk and, and, and I would listen, um, the more, um, the better the conversation was. So it's it's just a, a, an insight I, I learned early on and which has uh, definitely helped me doesn't help in a podcast when you're being interviewed but <laughs> well my goal is to have you talk as much as you can so yes, and the exactly. first piece of and and the first thing you mentioned I actually have it written on my whiteboard over here it says um go slow to go fast uh-huh so you are oh, so you're taking notes on a whiteboard that's uh... no actually I have, I have i have a whiteboard here in my office and i've had that written up there for a long time i want oh, my yeah? kids oh, to okay. see that because, because i often feel like they're rushing to get things done and i tell them look start off slowly and as you get better at it, you'll be able to go go faster. So that that's what I tell them all the time. Yeah, and and, and I think part of that is uh, so my my like my first jobs were at very marketing driven organizations, which were you know um, really experts at trying trying to sell you things things you didn't know you needed, and then all of a sudden you say, yeah, I need to have that. So what I learned there is that you really need to know what makes people tick before you uh, like take the next step and that kind of has to do with that pause you mentioned or you know th th sometimes you, you shouldn't go too fast um in a lot of my projects uh i i really try to figure out what makes you know, like the beneficiary or the client but what makes them tick what makes them change or what make what would make them change their behavior and um um, and that's 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 again that's one of those uh, fields that I that fascinates me behavioral science. I, I'm 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 definitely not an expert, but I always love those examples where, for example, a pizzeria would throw all their ingredients right in one heap right in the middle, right? Which sounds like a, an awful thing to do, but what they found is that they serve their pizzas like that, and people start fiddling with with you know the pepperoni and the cheese. They started spreading it out over the pizza, and actually they're engagement with the, the product pizza was uh, you know multiple times higher than normal because usually people don't even look at it just you know shove it in their mouth so and and that's kind of those i, I love those examples of behavioral uh, how you can change behavior and, and especially those that are, are are not very obvious um 
and there, you know, uh, yeah, I, there's many examples like that. The other one I like is the the speed camera lottery in in Sweden, where if you drive the speed limit, uh, you are entered, and there's a there's a camera. Uh, if you drive the speed limit, your license plate is entered in a lottery, which is paid for by the people that actually break the speed limit, and it it just creates a totally different dimension to. You know, uh, of course, you need to ride, drive the speed limit below the speed limit for safety reasons. But now you have this other reason because wouldn't it be great if you get that prize paid for by the other guys who who were speeding? So, anyway, uh, so um, so part of this, uh, what you mentioned, uh, you know, go slow to go fast is also taking that time when you're going slow and listening is really trying to figure out what makes other people tick and how could you tap into kind of their motivators to make sure that, um, you know, if, if, if there's certain change you want to, uh, to promote that you can get that done. And, um, and the same goes, you know, now if in terms of sustainable development, how do you get people to stop using single use plastic? It's, it's tough, even just straws in cocktails, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it sounds like a very easy thing to do, but, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's, 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 bizarre that people don't even think you you could drink a you, you could actually drink a cocktail without a straw you know um it's 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 a uh, very innovative but it is a possibility but it's i know from talks with people uh, you know who have hotels on islands how how tough even such a simple um intervention is to go from plastic straws to paper straws which people don't like or to no straws um and um and at the same time, you know, the, the the oceans are full of plastic. So, um, so I also like using this 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 idea of behavioral, you know, behavioral change, behavioral science in um, in in a very practical way in getting people to, you know, live more sustainably. So, since you're on the topic of straws, I interviewed a lady by the name of Emma Rose a few episodes ago, who runs a company called Final Straw. Right. And I bought a few for my daughters too. So. Um, I think she's working on some new ideas. Maybe a cocktail straw is her next idea. Who knows? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, but but it's it's always funny that the question of no straw, right? It's uh, sometimes I, I'm sure she didn't, but sometimes people skip over that that notion. I mean, uh, m- most of the drinks where that that now get a straw actually don't need a straw. Maybe for cocktails you want to stir it with your straw, but uh, but it's just an example where. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's fascinating to see how can you get people to change, and even you know, the, the, the even more the challenge is how can you get people to change and actually feel like that is it's actually what they want, and and actually they own the change. That's even better instead of telling them what to do. So there's a great book out there by a gentleman named Chris Voss, and I think his premise is that um, people do things for their reasons, not your reasons. So find out what their reasons are first. Ah, right. Yeah. 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 I'll check out that book. No, that's, that's, that's a very good one. It's, uh, um, because it also, it, it, uh, it also explains, it, it'll explain a lot. And this also goes back to where we started with the different cultures. You need to, especially if you work in international environments, if you, you need to understand the culture, you know, what is, you know, uh, we Dutch are very blunt and direct, which can be very, in, you know, come across as very insulting to maybe people in South Asia. Um, you need to be aware of that and, um, um, yeah, you know, find out what, what makes them tick, but also 
um, how how does it fit in their culture? Maybe that's why they respond in in that way. Yeah, I think the book is called Never Split the Difference. And this is a great segue moment. You know, the question I'd like to end with is that if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? I think um, what I've learned over uh, over the years is that if you're doing things for the uh, with good intentions, then it's it's worth taking the risk, and um, which um, which kind of goes to the point of also of, of of it's better to ask for forgiveness later than permission before. But um, um, yeah, I've also I've, I've often you know talked to people who are thinking of doing things or who think for some reason it might it might not create the right impression or it might have a negative response. And I think my, my advice is always if it's, if you're doing it with the right and honest intentions, then it, it, it's almost like it, it can never go wrong. Of course, you know, you might not get the result you want, but um, it's um, then it, it's, it's a risk worth taking. And, and I think that uh, also goes to, um, you know, to a lot of projects in sustainable development where, you know, things need to change and, and sometimes uh, interventions need to be taken. But if, they're, if it's done for the right reasons, then I think um, whoever's doing it should feel very, very comfortable. And um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's why I like, for example, the Dutch historian Rutger Brechman, who, you know, he intervened at the World Economic Forum about, about taxes for the rich. I mean, he was sitting in a, in a, in a, I don't know if you saw that that scene online, but um, he was sitting in a panel, and they were all talking about uh, you know a lot of different topics, uh, philanthropy, and he said you know the big elephant in the room is that all these rich folks don't fair, pay their fair share. If 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 they if they all would just pay their fair share, you know most of the problems in the world would be able to be uh, funded. Um, and um, and he's, you know, like he's an example of someone who he's got, he has good intentions and he just, uh, he makes transparent what a lot of other people may, may be thinking, but um, don't dare say. And um, so I think, especially now in, in this time of crisis where uh, for um, for a lot of people, of course, it, 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 it is a crisis, but for also for many people, it's actually a pause, uh, you know, people call it a reset button. Um it's really an opportunity to look at, uh, you know, what could you be doing uh, moving forward after, uh, you know, after everything goes back to, you know, the new normal and, and try to find that combination between, you know, what you're good at and what you what you love doing and, and what the world really needs and, and wants to pay for. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be my piece of advice. I mean, take risks uh, uh, if, you know, uh, as long as it's with, with good intentions and um, and integrity. Thank you so much for that. And Arno, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything else that we have not explored that you'd like to share before we go? Um, no, no, no. I think I think it was a nice it was a nice uh, free flowing conversation. I mean, of course, there were a lot of things I I, uh, I didn't I didn't talk about, but I think um, uh, I think no. It was, well, maybe one thing, and I was going to say, but it was fun to do. Which is actually one element I, I do always want to uh, emphasize that I think um, you know as we go forward and as we um, um, as we see how how we can make the world a better place, let's also not forget the element of fun. Like I gave you two examples of, of behavior change, which are you know very 
very random, but they both have an element of fun in there. And uh, in the one hand, although the the topic was you know uh, traffic safety, and the other topic was how can you actually have people remember the pizza you ate, uh, there was an element of fun. So I guess I guess the only thing I, I didn't mention uh, is that I think fun should uh, should be part of uh, of work, and the more we can try and facilitate that, uh, the better. Well, I've had fun during this conversation, and I look forward to working shoulder to shoulder with you, building a better world and having fun doing it. Yes, likewise. So uh, thanks for the invitation um, to talk to you, and uh, we will surely remain in touch. Absolutely. Thank you, Arna. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to show your support, please share our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.